probably one of the best things that I've ever done. One of the best things that a leader can do is to learn more about yourself. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This is Jessica, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, and today we're flipping the script for a special edition episode to get Michael's take on how the weight of your words can affect your team's productivity, why creating a culture of meritocracy drives exceptional performance, and why leveraging strengths and aligning team members' talents can lead to exponential growth and success. I think sometimes there can be friction in a relationship if someone is expecting someone to perform in a certain type of role or do certain types of things that do not play to their strengths instead of understanding how each person operates. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Welcome to another AMMA. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is exciting. When we have these on the calendar to do, I get so excited now, especially because we've heard from a lot of people that these are their favorite episodes. So if you're tuning in for the first time, we run three different types of episodes on this podcast. So we've got our interviews with podcast guests from legal experts and non-legal experts, athletes, entrepreneurs all across the board, just from the legal industry and beyond. We have those. We also have our Encore editions, which are some of our most popular episodes over the last three years that we bring back because people join the podcast at different times. And then we hear from a lot of people that they like to hear from a past guest, get a refresher. And then finally, these AMMAs, Ask Michael Mogul Anything. You guys submit the questions. I think you guys usually text. So you'll send the text to 404-531-7691 with your question. And then we answer them on the podcast. We've actually been trying to group them based on theme. Now, I will say this, as you've probably noticed, for those of you who've been listening to this podcast, or even if this is your first episode, we do not run any ads on this podcast, okay? We could run ads. We had somebody offer us 10 grand a month to sponsor the podcast. We get five sponsors, what's 50 grand a month, 600 grand a year. We could make 600 grand a year profit running ads on the podcast, but we don't. And the reason why we don't is because I want to be able to say whatever we want. We want to be able to feature guests who can say whatever we want. We don't want to be beholden to any particular sponsors. I don't want to push or sell anything on this podcast to you all. We want to keep the information free to you all, but there's only one ask. And what I ask of you is that if you've gained any value from this podcast, please go and leave us a five-star review. It could be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, leave us a five-star review. If you don't get any value, obviously you don't have to leave a review, but my ask is that we're going to keep this free. It helps us reach more people, the more popular the podcast becomes. So if you've gotten any value whatsoever, share the podcast, leave a five-star review. We appreciate it. And with that, Jessica, let's get to the AMMA. Awesome. So as you mentioned, we have hundreds and hundreds of questions. So it is nice because I am able to go through these, get a theme going in advance. So First one, picking up today, I have a small team and one of my employees has asked for greater recognition when she goes above and beyond. How do you go about giving recognition without feeling like you have to bend over backwards for every team member? How do you do so without being accused of favoritism? All right. Well, this is a multi-part question. Here's the reality. 
different things are valuable to different people. And for you, as let's say the business owner, the business leader, for you, you've got equity in your business. Maybe the value for you is entirely financial. But for somebody else, let's say a member of your team, and look, money's important, but beyond that, it's also recognition. And recognition's free. I am terrible at this. I'm aiming to get better over the years. I still have a lot of room for improvement because I'm the type of person, quite candidly, that doesn't give a shit about recognition. I would actually go out of my way to avoid recognition for myself. It makes me uncomfortable. Just, you know, the amount of times I leave the house is so little that recognition to me doesn't matter. I mean, I remember when the team surprised us at that all hands meeting with the Entrepreneur of the Year video that they created for me. And I was going up back on stage afterward. They wanted me to give some, some sort of speech. I just want to say, hey, thank you guys very much because great. Let's, let's all get back to work. That's wonderful. And then even the speech that I gave was like the shortest speech ever. It was like, thank you. I appreciate you all. And that's it. So for me, it's not important, but just because it's not important to me doesn't mean it's not important to somebody else. And usually what you find is that your words can weigh a thousand pounds and this can go both ways, right? Just as if you were to criticize a member of your team, when that comes from you, the CEO, that weighs a thousand pounds. That person could be thinking about that for months. Similarly, on the other side, if you were to recognize someone for something that they did in your firm, they can think about that for months as well. And now their performance improves. So why would you not want to recognize them for a performance that goes beyond expectations? Now, here's where I would draw the line on this, because I think what we're seeing many organizations across the U.S., maybe the world, and we're seeing this across society is that to me, recognition makes the most sense when someone goes above and beyond, not simply when they do their job. And I see it in a lot of organizations. People are like given recognition for someone doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing in the first place, right? You look at organizations that have salespeople, they in the title it says salesperson. Their job is to sell. So when they sell, it's like, of course, you could say good job, but we don't need to put them up to like a bar mitzvah on a chair and hoist them over. It's like, congratulations, you sold something. That is the exact reason why we hired you. That is the specific thing, the role that you're paid to perform in. Now, if you go beyond, let's say you exceed your quota, that's amazing, right? Of course, we're going to recognize you. We're going to celebrate you. But what I see happening at a lot of organizations is if you recognize someone for every single thing they do, thank you for coming in today. Thank you for logging in. Thank you for whatever then I think you start to lower the standard of the organization as a whole because recognition, I think, hits the most and it hits really well when it's not as common, right? So meaning when someone has done something truly exceptional, when you have like a meritocracy as a firm and you see this to play out in other organizations, particularly in sports, what an industry where the only recognition that you get comes as a result of exceptional performance. So the biggest contracts are awarded to those who have the best results. And that's how I believe it should be. But I would say that if someone is going above and beyond, let's say they hit their targets, they exceed their targets, absolutely go out of your way to recognize them, send them a message, let them know how much you appreciate them and the work that they're doing. And you'll see in many cases, their performance even improves even more as a result of said recognition. And that was free to do. It was free to say that. So I would say recognition is extremely important. What was the second part of that question? Yeah. So I think one big part of this is at a small team, and I actually remember when we were like this, but... How do you do that without being accused of favoritism? Okay. Yeah. So if you don't want to be accused of favoritism, base it on a meritocracy. Make it objective. Base it on specific things. So if you're giving everybody recognition, thank you for coming in today. Thank you for just having a pulse. Thank you for being a warm body. We're going to promote you, right? Just simply because you've existed long enough. That can go in the wrong direction. But 
the numbers don't lie. And especially in organizations, we encourage our firms to be very transparent. We have a daily dash that comes out every single day that we share with the entire organization. Every single metric, every single KPI, every single key performance indicator is shared and everyone's got their name next to it, myself included. And you can see where everybody stands. So when someone's exceeding targets, everybody knows. And it's the same way if someone is not meeting targets, everybody knows as well. So when you're providing that recognition, if you don't want to be accused of favoritism, just base it on the results. People can see it. Of course, we're going to recognize it. And look, if that's going to make someone feel uncomfortable because someone got recognized versus someone who didn't, and the one that did get recognized had exceptional results, and the one that didn't is underperforming. Well, isn't that the way that it should be? That's kind of the point. Because the problem with providing recognition to people, at least this isn't my opinion. This is like AMMA, right? So this doesn't mean these are the rules for the world. These are just what I believe in from my experience and what we've seen play out is that if you are giving out recognition for people doing things at a mediocre level and it's not anything exceptional, you lower the standard as a whole for your organization. True recognition is valuable when someone exceeds targets, when someone is doing something in a truly exceptional way worthy of recognition. Otherwise, you're just handing out trophies to everybody. Yeah, one thing I actually want to add, which is kind of a caveat, devil's advocate side of this, is to caution against so much recognition to where this person now is like, you need me because this has absolutely happened. We've made this mistake before in the past, but I just like to remind everyone, everyone's replaceable. I'm replaceable. I've been replaced in numerous roles throughout CRISP. Oh, yeah. Look, at this point, I don't do anything besides record this podcast. So clearly, I'm, I'm replaceable as well. So absolutely. Again, to reemphasize this recognition, absolutely important, absolutely valuable, free to do, can make an incredible impact in your team members, can really drive exceptional performance. But just be mindful of the fact that if you tie it to a particular objective result where someone goes above and beyond, that's the right thing. And if you're just giving out praise for the sake of someone just coming in that day, well, that was probably going to not lead to better performance. Correct. All right. So moving on, I know you guys use multiple personality assessments, and I'm curious how those tools have helped you better understand not only your team, but also yourself and leverage talents more effectively. For the sake of this question, there's so many of these things out there, right? When we talk about personality tests, strength assessments, and I feel like for those that really know these assessments well, they kind of cringe when they hear the word personality assessment. But I think for the sake of the question, we all know, right? So to differentiate, what we don't mean is these aren't BuzzFeed quizzes where you could tell based on your favorite ice cream what kind of leader you're going to be. So that's probably nonsense. But there's a lot of really great strengths-based assessments out there like Clifton Strengths, Colby. We've got the print, all these different things. And I have to say that if I could go back when I first started Crisp, when I first just started a business, I wish that I had known more about myself. And these assessments have been absolutely invaluable. They're worth their weight in gold. Probably one of the best things that I've ever done and one of the best things that a leader can do is to learn more about yourself. Now, you can go around asking people for feedback of saying, hey, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What am I good at? And they'll give you things that may not always be accurate. It could be based on just their personal dealings with you, or they may not have full context. What a lot of these assessments do is they really shed light on how you operate, and they provide you with a lot of clarity that you may not otherwise know. And knowing these things is one of the most valuable things you can do. If you want to really exponentially scale yourself as a leader, grow your organization, make more money, all these things, I would start by really taking these types of assessments seriously. So for example, anytime we're hiring within the organization, any firm that we work with, we've used the Colby, we've used the Print, we've used the Wonderlick. But I will say that when you know something, let's say about the Colby in particular, right, which is basically, it's like a strength assessment on how do you operate as a human being? What types of things give you energy? What are you 
more so predisposed to doing. It doesn't mean that you cannot do particular things. It just means how do you align yourself with strengths in the roles that you're in. Now, I would say that knowing this, it gives you a blueprint of yourself. It helps you designing life, really. This is not hyperbole. If you know this stuff about yourself in terms of here are my strengths, I'm going to play to my strengths, right? I'm not going to try to develop weaknesses. Then how do I create an organization that can complement those strengths? So I take, here's what I'm good at. These are the types of things I'm going to focus on. And all the things that may not be my strength or may not give me energy, there's going to be somebody else for whom that is their strength. That's the person that you can hire or delegate to. And you can create this amazing organization where you are focusing on the things that give you energy that you're really good at. And everybody else is also focusing on the things that give them energy that they're really good at, which could be a weakness of yours, but a strength of theirs. I mean, it's truly amazing. If you can hire and attract those people, life becomes amazing. Your organization becomes aligned. A lot of times, I think when you find somebody that is exhausted and burnt out and frustrated, I think it comes as a result of them spending a lot of time in things that either are not their strengths or working against themselves. So for example, for me, if my job was to build Ikea furniture all day, I would be the most depressed human being probably in Atlanta. And the reason for that is that it's not that I can't do it. I can follow instructions, but it doesn't come naturally to me, right? Like building things and building furniture and things like that just are not natural to me. Now, you could look at this also from the standpoint of for somebody else, let's say creating spreadsheets or analyzing data sets, things like that. That may be part of their role, but it may work completely against them and, and zap them of energy. Whereas for somebody else, they get excited at the thought of that. So it's just the more you can learn about yourself, the more you can gain a roadmap for how you can truly structure your life. And that type of knowledge is absolutely invaluable. The more self-aware you are as to what your strengths are, as to what your weaknesses are, the more leverage you can put on those strengths. So I would say this is one of the best things you can do. Absolutely. This is why we've gone all in on it. The team members that have learned, they come to us and a lot of times it's like they didn't know these things about themselves. Imagine you go 30 years of life, 40 years of life, and you think you know yourself and then you start to take these assessments and they start to offer you more and more clarity. And there's different ones. So when you combine all these things, you start to understand more and more and more about yourself and how you operate and why you do things and how you do things. And if you combine all that knowledge, now you start to really understand how do I set myself up for success? And when you do that, you become unstoppable. You become an absolute weapon of a human being. Absolutely. And I could personally talk about these assessments forever, but we believe in them so much that everyone in our personal lives have taken it as well. Right. Absolutely. Like parents, nanny, everyone has taken this. Give That's- it to landscapers who give it to it. It, it doesn't matter. If we're going to work together, boom, you're going to take a cold. Be like, yeah, what's this? Oh, I don't know. Like, don't worry. And then once they take it, they're like, oh, this is so insightful. I learned so much about myself. I had no idea. And then you have two people in a relationship take it, right? Then they start to learn things about themselves. Let's say in the Colby, there's one particular metric that's called implementer. It doesn't really have to do with implementation, but it has to do with how you kind of visualize objects and build things and so on. Now, in a traditional relationship, man expected to build things and hang picture frames and do all that stuff. Fix now, it. Fix it, right? I am not the fix it guy. And we know that and neither are you, Jessica. So it's interesting. So we outsource that, right? And it creates a lot of peace in our relationship as a result. Whereas I think sometimes there can be friction in a relationship if someone is expecting someone to perform in a certain type of role or do certain types of things that do not play to their strengths instead of understanding how each person operates. So obviously there's a lot more to unpack there. We do full trainings on these things. We've invested so much in this in our organization, but I'll tell you, one of the things that really helped us grow 10 times or more has been really, really leveraging these assessments in terms of our hiring process, in terms of our onboarding process with our clients, with our firms. It has been incredible. I cannot say more positive things. Yeah. And I just want to round it out with one thing that really enlightened me through the years with this is just because you are not good at something or because you don't enjoy it doesn't mean that's not someone else's dream job. Absolutely. The people that 
I've surrounded myself with and we've surrounded ourselves with love the things that they're doing and they're really good at them. And I look at those things sometimes and I'm like, I can't believe you enjoy that. It's wild to me. I can't even imagine doing that all day. And then they turn to me and say, I can't imagine doing what you do all right. day. So it's a win all around. That's right. Yes. All right. And then to round this one out today, speaking of motivation, we all know that a motivated team can accomplish great things. How do you tap into what motivates your team members and how do you use this knowledge to drive them toward the company goals? Yeah, it starts by not assuming that you know what motivates somebody. And we have a great example of this in that when you assume that all people are motivated by the same things, you're going to be wrong because some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by recognition. Some people are motivated by status. Some people are motivated by titles. It varies by person. And the best way to align with that and figure out what motivates someone is just to ask them. Now, there's, of course, assessments that we got to go a little bit deeper on that. Like the print assessment is really good in terms of intrinsic drivers and intrinsic motivators. But that being said, I remember years ago with our sales team, this was right when AirPods came out. And I got myself a pair of AirPods. I thought these were the coolest things ever. I still think it's one of the coolest things ever, but they were relatively new. And I met with the sales team and I said, look, when we hit our targets this week, everybody gets a pair of AirPods. We set a stretch goal. Everyone would get a pair of AirPods. And I thought they would be ecstatic, right? Because AirPods were extremely popular at the time. They did not care. They did not respond. At first I said, look, do you guys not know what AirPods are? They're like, no, we know what AirPods are. And I'm like, oh, you don't want AirPods? They're like, yeah, it's okay. It'd be kind of nice. And I'm like, why aren't you excited? Right. And I'm like, what are these entitled people? They don't want a pair of AirPods. Well, as it turned out, they wanted different things. So for example, one of our sales team members, I asked her, what do you want? She's like, I want a pair of Lululemon leggings. And I'm like, would that get you excited? She'd be like, absolutely. The leggings were cheaper than the AirPods. Yes. I'm like, okay, done. We can make that happen. Somebody else, they wanted a camping trip. And then somebody else wanted to get their car washed. So it's completely different things to people. And another person didn't want any of those things. They just wanted recognition. That's all. They're not even motivated by money. Can you imagine someone on a sales team not motivated by money? So I think it was me realizing that I have no idea what motivates somebody. And you can't assume that you know what's going to motivate somebody because it's different things to different people. And the best way to know is to ask. So we do these things. We call them celebration surveys. When every single member of our team starts where we fill it out and just got to, you could speak more to this, but on these different celebration surveys, have every team member outline what is a gift that you would love at different price points. So I forget the exact price points, but it's like $50, $100, $500, And now we know those things and they're different for each person because they can choose what is exciting to them. It's different things to different people. But then when they do something exceptional, we can pull up their celebration survey and then we know exactly what it is that they want. Maybe they want two mean luggage. Maybe they want a day of PTO. Maybe they want something else. So we don't have to assume anymore. We can really look at and say, here's what this person wants. And as a result, we can meet them where they are. Yeah. And for anyone thinking, I don't have $1,000 or I don't have the luxury of doing an extra PTO day, it doesn't have to be that big. There are things down there, even literally, what are your favorite snacks? I have put together packages before of people's favorite gummies and favorite pretzels or whatever it might be. But again, it's just catered to that person. Absolutely. And there's another thing. There's a platform we've used for many years. I know a lot of our firms have used as well. It's called Bonusly. And what this allows people to do is they can give recognition to each other. Like, so they're allotted every single month it resets, they get a hundred points and they can distribute those points to whoever they want. We tie it to our core values. So if you're going to give anybody a point amount, it could be any amount. You can give them 10 points, you can give them 50 points, you can give them all hundred points. You can distribute it to as many people as you like, but you get a hundred points every single month. And you have to tie it to one of our core values of how this person was, let's say, team first or solutions focused. So it, it has to align with that. So we keep them focused. It's not just, hey, I'm going to give you these points just because I like you. Because I like your shirt today. Exactly. 
But then what they can do is there's an online store where they can redeem these points for whatever it is that they want. And there's all sorts of things in there, like Starbucks gift cards, Amazon gift cards. So that lets people choose their own rewards. So that's what we've seen success with. It's a great platform. We're not tied in. Like I said, we don't run any ads on this podcast. You're welcome to check it out. There's all sorts of other employee recognition platforms out there as well, too. But I have found that the best way is to not assume that you know what is going to really motivate someone or get them excited and instead just ask them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that rounds us out today for today's AMMA. Boom, we'll be back. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with Michael Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. Number one, download the first chapter of Michael's book absolutely free at gamechangingattorney.com. Number two, you can shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. You might just hear the answer on the next episode. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it will help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on this episode, see the show notes in your podcast app or visit legalpodcast.com. 